Well, it is so good to be back here with you. It's always good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. It's always good to get away, to uh, decompress a little bit, to relax, to do some fishing and all kinds of stuff and, and just relax with your family. And, but it's always good to come back and it's always refreshing to me to, to be back home and uh, where I belong. And I couldn't wait to get here this morning and be here with you together in the house of the Lord, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. You see, we encourage each other. You encourage me. Do you know that? You encourage me. When I look out when we're worshiping and I see you raising your hands and I I see you singing and I can tell by the look on your face that it means something. Something more than just words or just more than just music. I see your heart for God. And I talk to you and the sound of your voice comforts me. And we lift each other up. We encourage each other. We're a family. The family of God. Amen. And we follow Him. He is the leader. He's our leader. So did you all have a, a good uh, 4th of July yesterday? I hope that you did. I did as well. Enjoyed being with family and um, cooking out. and just being, What a gorgeous day it was, wasn't it? The perfect 4th of July day. It was just gorgeous. Just I, I enjoyed it so much. And Independence Day, as it were. Right? And we're celebrating something. Something that our nation worked very hard for. And shed precious blood for. And that's freedom. That freedom is so valuable, isn't it? Freedom from tyranny. Freedom to worship God in the way that he deserves to be worshipped, not forced to worship God in a certain way. That's valuable to us. Freedom from British rule was so harsh. It was our declaration of independence. We're declaring to the world, we will not be ruled in a tyrannical way. We want everybody to know it and we're willing to fight for it. We were finally our own country with the freedom to self-govern. To rule ourselves in the way that we desired to be ruled. And that very, very much included God. And they're teaching nowadays that that's not necessarily the case. That's unfortunate because if you look back at any of the documents from our founding fathers, you'd be hard-pressed to find one that does not mention God in it. We've come a long way since then in many ways. 
Some good, some not so good. And so this freedom that we fight so diligently for and that we put a high precedence on and a high value, what is, what is this freedom for? Well, we want to, we want to self-govern. We want to rule ourselves. And as long as that involves God... That's okay. But as soon as you start to separate yourself from God, things begin to fall apart. Even though we're ruling ourselves because we have no true north, as we say. There's no true north on that compass, right? That compass always points north so that no matter where you go, In the woods, if you get lost, well, you know what direction is north. And from there, you can find out how to get home. Because that's always the desire, isn't it? Is to be able to get back home. But when we reject God, when we abandon His laws, when we separate ourselves from that which is our guiding force, all hell breaks loose. Literally, all hell breaks loose. And we begin to follow things that are contrary to the Word of God. And we begin to do things that feel good as opposed to things that please God. We begin to be lovers of ourselves. Wait, wait, where where have I heard that before? Hmm. They became lovers of themselves rather than lovers of... Of what? God. And we have become that very thing. And God being... The loving Father that He is will over and over again give us opportunities to be redeemed, to put us back in right standing with Him, to put ourselves back into a place of blessing, to put ourselves in right standing with God, so to speak. And if we choose to Abide in that love. If we choose to follow and repent and walk in obedience, then we are once again made right with God. But if we choose to continue in our sin, God will act. God will act. How many times in the Bible have we seen Israel that after a certain amount of time abandoned God and did things that were detestable to God? God hated it. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. It's going to lead you to a place of destruction. 
How many times have we heard the scripture, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? Destruction. There's a way that we can say, this is right. But you know, and and we can change our laws, we can do whatever we want to, to cover up, in a sense, our wrong, but it still makes it wrong. Because this, friends, this is true north. This is our guide. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the Bible is our map. Amen? And no matter how much we try, as a nation, as a group of nations, whatever the case may be, we try to cover up our wrongs so that they become right. Do you understand what I'm saying? To legalize wrongs to make them right so that we're not held accountable anymore. It's not wrong anymore. If we legalize marijuana, then it's no longer wrong. Okay, we can use it for medicinal purposes. Okay, and it's no longer wrong. We can do, we can change our all kinds of laws to cover up our sin and to make it so that we're not illegal anymore, that we're not wrong, that we're not sinning anymore. But you know what? If our laws are not abiding by the word of God, it's still wrong. And what about this? How about we turn that around? How about we flip that a little bit? And we say, what the Bible says is right, even though it's unpopular, it's uncomfortable, it's dangerous, it's risky. What's right is right even when it's unpopular. What's right is right even when it's difficult. What's right is right even when it hurts you. God's word is right. God's word is the truth. Friends, if we lose sight of the Bible being the godly guiding force in our lives, in our family, in our nation, in our workplaces, in our schools, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. There has been a series of bad decisions a series of them. It's not one. It's not even a few. It's many bad decisions in our country. And though there would be those of you sitting here with me today that would argue what I'm saying to you. In Romans 1, would you turn with me? 
Romans 1, verse 18. And so God, being the loving Father that He is, will over and over beckon us, come, come back, come back to where it's safe. Don't we as parents, those of us who have children, or maybe nieces and nephews and so on, or those that we love that are young, don't we try the best that we can to keep them where it's safe? We, we don't like them near the road, do we? Because we know that it's dangerous. It could hurt them. And God is that way. He's always wanting for us to be safe, to be blessed, to be happy. Yes, of course. Of course. That's God's heart. But there comes a time when we as people and children as children will say, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. I did it my way. That's a beautifully dangerous song. <laughs> Isn't it? And we begin to thumb our noses at God. I can do it myself. I can do it my way. And we think we're going to get away with it. Eventually, sin, sin is delicious for a while. Sin is fun for a while, but it will always catch up to you. It will always catch up to you. Because we, as it says in the Bible, will give an account for our lives. We will stand before the judge of all of the earth. And eventually God says, okay, Go your way. And he relents to our rebellion. Do you hear me? God relents to our rebellion against him. Though it breaks his heart so. Though he loves us dearly. If we keep pushing and we keep, get away, I don't want to be bound by your rules. I'm tired of living in a house of rules. I'm tired of it. Any of your kids ever say that? Any of you ever say that to your parents? I'm tired of living in a house of rules. I want to go where I can be free. I want to go where I can do what I want to do and nobody tells me it's wrong. God help us. God tells us it's wrong because he loves us. The Bible says in Proverbs that God disciplines those that he loves. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't care about it. But he loves us. And because we love our children, we discipline our children to teach them what is right and what is wrong and that when you do wrong, there are consequences to be paid. Why do we do it? Because we love to discipline our children. No. As a father, as a mother, that is really hard to do because you know that it's going to cause them pain. You know that it's going to hurt them, but the hope is that that 
moments or few moments of pain will remind them later on in life when things are really difficult. And that those few moments of pain will remind them of the love that you have for them. They will remember. They will see, if it is done properly, they will see that love is, at, is underneath it all. That it's, it's done with love to save, to protect, to bless. How many of you don't want your kids to experience some of the stupid things and the pain that you brought on yourself? Are any of you like that? Because I'm there. And at the same point, when we as children, and when our children constantly say, enough, I've had enough of your rules. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do it my way. Eventually, after much pain and probably many tears and a lot of stress, you say, okay, have it your way. But it's not going to go well for you. I believe that this is where we are as a nation. Decisions are being made even though we may disagree with them. The majority, quote, agrees. And thus we have people ruling that do not follow the ways of God. We heard it this morning, blessed is the nation from Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Bill and I were talking this morning, and he brought that scripture up. I was like, you know what? Let's use that this morning. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's God's desire to bless you. You know that? God is for you. God's on your side. But when we thumb our noses at God, when we flip God off, yeah, when we flip God off, can I say that in church? And we say, I'm done with your rules, dude. Eventually he says, okay. If that's the way you want it, go your way. You remember the prodigal son? That's pretty much what he was saying. And he took all of these blessings that belonged to him through his father. And he took them and he ran off to a faraway place. And he spent them in wild living, making stupid choices and dumb decisions. And eventually all of his wealth and the wealth that his father gave him was spent on stupidity. And if the Bible says that it, he found himself in want. He was a hungry boy. And he sold himself out to a, a pig farmer of all things. A pig farmer. Now that really sheds a lot of light here because to a Jew... Pigs were like 
I don't want to be near that. Okay? Really bad. So this uh, picture of this young man selling himself out to a pig farmer really had some big meanings to it. And so he sells himself out to a pig farmer, and he longs to eat the pods, which is the garbage that the pigs were eating. But it says nobody gave him anything. They didn't care about him. He was a hired hand. He's a nobody. He didn't care about him. And he longed to eat what his, even the lowest of his father's servants would eat. Because even his father's servants were blessed. Do you follow that? And so he said to himself, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to tell him, take me on as your servant. I'm no longer your son. Just take me on. And his father just embraced him. He put a beautiful ring on his finger. And man, they fired up a party. They had a huge party. They were excited. This prodigal, this wayward one has come home. And so all the while, the father is waiting, checking countless times a day, checking the horizon to see if on the road is his son, the wayward one. But there comes a time when God says, if that's the way you want it, go your way. Because freedom, God gives us a choice. And that's what makes all of this tick, if you will. Because God does not force us to obey him. Otherwise, we would be like robots and the cross of Christ would mean nothing. God gives us a choice. He wants us to follow. He provided the way of salvation on Calvary. Hallelujah. Let me hear you. He provided the way of salvation on Calvary. Hallelujah for you and for me. But he does not force you to follow. He does not force us to obey. It's our honor. And it's our opportunity. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, builds it up, blesses it, but sin condemns any people. And so in Romans, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who oppress, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Can you see that happening today? Can you see the truth of God being squished down and stepped on and, and covered up so that nobody can see it? Do you see that happening? So that the truth is suppressed by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since, now listen, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without what? Excuse. We are without excuse, for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. Now listen, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You see, they traded the real for the fake. And that's the trouble with this world. We're trading the real for the fake. We're trading the truth for lies. We don't want to be told the truth anymore because it hurts. And there's sacrifice. We can't do everything that everybody else does. Do you understand that? If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't do everything everybody else does. Okay? But why is that? God wants us to be a funless people. We're funless. (laughs) No, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. God does not want us to be without fun. He wants us to be safe and healthy and happy. And he wants us to be able to be a witness to other people on how to follow and obey God. He wants to display himself in our lives to show people who he is. Let's continue. Therefore, now listen to this, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God gave them over. He said, all right, all right, if that's the way that you want it, Go your way. God gave them over. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. For a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, here we go again. God gave them over. Again. God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. That reminds me of a scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Now listen to what it says. Furthermore, verse 28, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, they didn't think it's worthwhile. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort. It's not valuable enough. He gave them over, again, here it is, to a depraved mind to do what, not, what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Listen to this. They invent ways of doing evil. As if there's not enough evil in the world, they're inventing ways to do more. Does that sound like today, friends? They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. This guy's on a rant. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but even worse, they approve of those who practice them. They give a big how do you do on their back. boy, Great job. You sinned well today. You did more evil well today. You invented a great way of doing evil. Great job. boy. You, in verse two, or chapter 2, you therefore have no excuse. Now listen to this. Who pass judgment on someone. So just in case we get the feeling like we're pretty righteous in light of the evil that's going on in our world, and we start pointing the fingers at people and saying, you are evil, you deserve this, you deserve that, you're not as good as me, watch out is right. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Don't you point the finger at somebody else. Remember the scripture about the log, the speck? We think we can help somebody else with their living, pleasing God. And we see this little tiny speck in somebody's eye. Hey, I see a little speck in your eye. Come here, let me help you out. Let me get that out of there for you. When all the while we got a big old log in our own eye. You follow what I'm saying? We don't have any room to speak, right? Unless we are completely sinless, which we are not. We have no room to judge. Jesus says himself, I am not the judge, but a judge is coming. He will judge. Now we know God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Verse 3, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt, hatred, 
for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not really realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, repentance, very, very important to God. Right? When we sin, God expects repentance, a repentant heart. I'm sorry. Repent. Turn around. That's what repent means. Turn around. Don't do it. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. In verse 6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. Every human being who does evil, there will be trouble and distress. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Hallelujah. Would you turn with me quickly to Second Thessalonians? I want you to see something. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy or report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Can I hear an amen? The secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. The one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Friends, I believe that this is happening in our lifetime. The one who's holding back evil is being withdrawn. The one that holds back the lawlessness and the evil <clears throat> is being withdrawn, and we can see it. And so evil will become more and more prevalent. We see it every day. 
More and more and more. And the lawless one, in verse 8, will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. In verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. You see, if you don't have the Word of God as your guide, we're going to be easily deceived into believing a lie. We're going to be deceived by miraculous things. All right? God is not the only one who does miraculous signs. The enemy will be doing the very thing. That very thing. And many will be deceived. But not those who know the Word of God. They perish because they refused to love the truth and to be saved, and so be saved. Verse 11, For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm this Independence Weekend. 